You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. All right, guys, I should be fixed now. You should be able to get some audio from me now. Let me know if you guys are picking me up on the chat. Let me know. I'll definitely check in here. We got sound? There you go. We got it, guys. Just had to deal with a little bit of OBS action here, but I want to introduce the show. Today, we're going to talk about Levi's. We got Tilray, General Motors, Affirm, Peter Tuckman, Ticker Time. We'll talk a little bit about Tesla's Investor's Day. There's a lot of action going on. Market bouncing back. Dennis, how's your morning starting first? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I haven't really determined yet. I'm not getting slaughtered, but I'm not doing great either. So we know I trade market neutral. You got the overnight positions. A few of my longs are not keeping up with SPY, though. So that's SPY and the Qs. Tech stocks are ripping. If you're lowered up with tech stocks, you're doing pretty good this morning. If you got other stocks, you're like, me. there's some rotation here because you're seeing oil trading down here this morning. A lot of the oil stocks are down. You're seeing a few other stocks just not keeping up with SPY. Uh, tech is definitely the strongest. If you go to the QQQs, you can clearly see the tech is blasting off. I mean, this is an impressive, less than 24-hour rally. We started rallying at 1 o'clock in the afternoon yesterday, and we have not stopped since. Again, we are just Groundhog Day here. We get down to that bottom of the range, and then they rip it higher. But you know what? This time, we blew through the top of the range, the overnight traders. We closed at the top of the range, and then we blew through it. And believe it or not, We've been talking about this weak market for about a month, the entire month of September. In one trading day, not even 24 hours, since 1 o'clock yesterday, we have almost got a 50% retracement of the entire move on SPY. That is awesomely impressive. How I'm calculating that, 454, the high back on September 2nd, the low just from three days ago, 426. So you got about 28 points there. Well, if you take half that 14 off the 426, you get the 440, and lo and behold, that's where we were almost got to this morning. So you're almost at a 50% retracement in one day. So getting back half of last month's losses on the SPY in one day, this market is nothing short of impressive. I'm still going to say Spencer Israel is going to be right, and we're going to make new highs by the end of the year. But I'm also going to say, if you're buying it now, what are you doing, Mitch? You're buying it now today. Hey, you are doing it, it 
doing it wrong, man. Doing You're doing it, it backwards. You're doing it backwards. But we it, buy dips and sell rips, and what a rip it has been. We were the low yesterday, 427. We were up 120 S&P handles in less than 24 hours. That is a hell of a rip. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I drew a circle there right where the 50% uh, percent retracement would hit and did, drew the fibs from the top there. And we'll see if we can get through that level. It's, it's right near uh, 440.25. So that's kind of the level that I would look for to get it above today. We'll see if we can get through that level. But, I mean, a lot of times when we've been seeing this pre-market action in one direction, it's kind of worrisome to get it to the open. What's going to happen? Do we get a washout back to support or do we get another rip up? We'll, we'll see what happens in the overall market and see what we can continue. Now, one thing I will say is the tech definitely looked strong. Uh, really nice bounce there. Uh, I, I really like how it's holding this upward trend. You know, if you can draw that trend line going up, you could see last time we went through it here in June 19th, we, we ripped off that. We actually made a 20% move uh, from that, about 19.68. And now we're looking to see if we can get back up there to 370s. That's the level that I'm looking at to see if we can get back up and start testing to get back to all-time highs. We'll see what happens in the queues. Let's go ahead and let's get into Levi here. Uh, so want to go ahead and start getting into our topics of the day. Uh, Levi actually earnings beat here, guidance raise, and a buyback. Uh, let me go ahead up and pull up Levi here. Lots of good stuff being said on Levi. Um, it had low expectations coming in. The stock actually made a new low on the move the day, you know, hours before uh, it was due to report. So low bar. Beats a low bar. There's still an ugly, ugly, ugly downtrend. Can it break that downtrend today? Maybe. I would say you got massive resistance up at 26, though. So um, I, I don't see much of a trade here other than if I was long, I'd probably be selling it up into the higher 25s. We'll next, see. we'll fly through these topics. All right, all right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go to the next one here. I'm, I'm willing with that one. Let's go ahead. Let's get into the next one. Next one up is going to be Tilray. Uh, this one's interesting because it dropped after earnings, but I know that there's some people keeping a close eye because, I, I mean, you've been hearing talks in Congress. Uh, each time it does that, it pops up for a little bit, but faded back down uh, today. Traded a little bit down on that news, starting to come back, uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens here with Tilray. I'll I'll pull up the earnings. What are you thinking, uh, what are you thinking Dennis, about the cannabis industry here? Um. Okay, so earnings were in line, sales missed. It wasn't a great number. It's being helped out by a really strong tape today here. People are looking at buying dips on everything. So anything that's dipping after, you know, you've got such a, a strong move, people are like, okay, I need to get some capital employed. I'll buy the Tilray dip just because I need to buy some stocks. I mean, we're oversold. We've been talking about the, the cannabis stocks being oversold for a long time. From a valuation perspective, I'm going to own none of them because they're all still expensive. But from a technical perspective, these stocks are oversold. You know, look at Alibaba. We'll bring it back over to that. I know it's not on your schedule, but I'm going to take it to the tangent because we talked about it two days ago being massively oversold. And we even set up a trade for you yesterday saying if you wanted to take a flyer, and I liked the Alibaba pullback yesterday morning. It was down two bucks. And I said, you've got the level to lean on. It's 138.43. Well, you know what? Yesterday's low, 139.96, a dollar and a half. You would only have to take, you know, not necessarily that you would have got the absolute low, 
140, you're risking a couple bucks to get that potential pop. And we talked about one of these days it's going to have a 10-point bounce. Well, it just did. It just had a 10-point bounce from the lows yesterday up to today. So there it is. Alibaba oversold, starting to show some life. Um, I still like the Alibaba. I'm still long it in the long-term portfolio. Um, I'm not going to buy it when it's up 10 points in one day, though. But you get a pullback here, 145-ish, starts to look interesting again. So I am buying dips. I'm always buying dips. But I'm looking more actively here. I tried to buy a couple stocks yesterday in the longer-term portfolio. I can't even remember what I was buying. I was nibbling in a few things. Like, we know I would bought Cleveland Cliffs a while ago. Um, it got really whacked yesterday at Goldman with some commentary on Cliffs, but he also had some comments on U.S. Steel. So there is opportunities here in individual stocks when they get these dips. But at the same time, you know, I, you, you want to be looking at the trends. You want to be looking at a lot of other things as well. Uh, taking it back to Tilray, cannabis way oversold. Tilray way oversold. Could you have a relief pop to 12? You could, but the trend is just not your friend here. And there's so much overhead supply. Do I think this thing is ripping to $14, $15? I don't think you're going to see that much of a pop, but it has been pretty easy on the shorts here for the last few months. So I wouldn't be surprised if you could squeeze them up to 12. I don't know if I'm playing it though. Yeah, I, I, at least I, I might try to play Tilray if I hear some news more, but not really on earnings. I'm really just paying attention to government news. Macro news is going to be the big thing for cannabis, I think, in 2022. I'm looking for deregulation. So for right now, hands off for me on Tilray. And also for me, Dennis, I'm still hands off on Baba. I know that you've been seeing that. And for traders, you have a level to lean on. So definitely you can focus on that. But for me, a lot of times I have to get away from the market for two to three hours. And it's just not something that I want to hold right now with all the concern in China. But to like always just do your own risk analysis there and baba bouncing back there 10 points i mean that's a that's a big move there all right let's keep going let's get into the next one i'm sure that a lot of people wanted to talk about this one gm provides yeah. a motor electric vehicle update let me go ahead and pull up the chart here see if we're finally getting some reaction because yesterday i mean we, we really didn't get reaction from the news but looks like we're starting to come up here in the pre-market that's kind of that window space that you see there um and so pretty much from what came out was that gm hopes its efforts will boost operating margins to 12 percent and 14 percent uh by 2030 from 7.9% last year. Annual revenues is expected to double to 280 billion from a five-year average of 140 billion. So really, I mean, this was really, I think, a call out that, hey, we're going after you, Tesla, and it looks like GM not doing too bad in the pre-market. What are you thinking? It's lifting. I mean, you've got some overhead supply here at a double top of 55 and a half. So there is some work to do to try to get back through 55. And we did fall off. We have had a pretty good rally here. We know I'm long GM in the long-term portfolio. I still believe in the story. I still believe GM is going to be a major player in EV. But it's had a pretty good run here. You've got a 50% retracement of the overall move. I think you're going to run into resistance, and you got some work to do in this 55 area. So I'm not just jumping in GM. If I had it on for a short-term trade, I would probably sell it here, to be honest. Completely talking, it's my long-term buck. Uh, but it's not on for a long-term trade. I believe in the story in GM long-term. Uh, so I'm, I'm sticking with it for now. But 
I, I don't like that 55 level. I think I think it's got some work to do there. So I think you're opening up a new resistance. All right. Now, uh, kind of levels that I'd point out on GM, I'd go to the daily. Uh, I like this 53.50 on downside. You got multiple closes near 53.49. Uh, we'll see if 53.50 can hold today. And on the upside, we want to get through these highs, 55.50. Um, you also got here 55.64. Let's see if we can get through those highs today and really get that breakout in GM on the downside. I, 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 I'm thinking no. I'm thinking I don't think it's got the gas to get through it. But maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like, and let's take it back here. Mm-hmm. You know, just you always want something to look forward to. And people were looking forward to this Investors Day for a few days. We had talked about it. The stock had yep. kind of run into it. It got lots of, of attention on CNBC yesterday. The CFO was on. Um, on uh, CNBC with an interview. I mean, they talked. I mean, it was the talk. You know, it, it kind of got its like time in, you know, in the spotlight there, for, you know, the hard spotlight in the media. It was talked about all day yesterday. So, you know, you get the pop and people are like, oh, I see and saw that GM. I want to buy that. I feel like they're the Johnny come lately. So, like I said, I, I don't see the catalyst to just drive us through that major resistance. I mean, if we were above the resistance and it was open, but I, all I see is major resistance. I see a stock's been moving up nicely. It's been a nice move. It's moved up 10% last month, not even the last three weeks. So I just think it needs to take a pause. It needs to take a breather. Do I think GM's going you know back to 48? No, but I think it needs a breather. All right, want to take a second here. It looks like we're getting some questions in the chat. Yes, Spencer Israel is at the doctor right now nothing's wrong with him he's taking the morning off he'll be back with us later joe will also be back with us taking a good vacation that is well deserved so we're going to keep going through the stocks let's go ahead and get to the next topic here sure. uh, we're running through it this morning so we got a lot to get to so that that's the good thing let's go ahead let's get towards the next one we want to talk about a firm here a firm is really interesting it ripped and i'm sure spencer was looking at this like oh man Shouldn't have got that, that stop out. But really, I mean, I don't think anyone knew this news was coming. But one thing that has been pointing is is a increase in retailers, right? A firm went first with that Amazon, now going to Target here uh, as they rip higher after a deal with Target being announced yesterday uh, and really getting a, an immediate lift here. Um, right? Is this going to pop 20% every time they announce a deal with a major retailer? That's yeah. what I want to know. Th- that's because, what I'm wondering because I think you and I both want to trade that if it's going to Wasn't happen. the last one Walmart? So it, when it, we had the big pop from – and when, when was it? I'm probably looking at the chart. It was probably the gap up from like 88 to like 121 that one day. Wasn't that Walmart? Yeah. So now they come with the big – you know, with Target. They're going to keep next going. going to be Costco. And then Co- we're going to get another 20%. So eventually these moves are going to start to be more muted, you know, from these big deals. We saw this with Beyond Meat, not saying a firm, not comparing it to Beyond Meat, but I'm comparing that type of news where every time Beyond Meat would get a new deal, it'd pop 20%. Every time we get a new deal, it'd pop 20%. Well, eventually it wasn't popping at all on the McDonald's deals, you know, because investors like, oh, it's just another deal. So, oh, it was Amazon. Sorry, it wasn't Walmart. It was Amazon. Yeah. So that 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 big one there. But I mean, so, okay, you get the big deal with Target. <laughs> I think the pop was ridiculously overdone. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing: I never short a stock making a new all-time high. Um, and it's been a good move for a firm here. It's a stock that's massively in favor. It's the kind of stock you want to be buying dips on. I'm not buying up 20 points on a deal with Target though. No, I'll be looking for pullbacks closer towards 126.50 out the gates. We'll see if it can come back towards the support 
Um, that's actually a prior breakdown spot. If you look at the pattern that was between the 24th through the 28th, that's where it broke down and held support multiple times. We'll see if it holds there again. Um, with a firm, you just mentioned Dennis. I'm going to be looking for that Walmart news now. Uh, you, we got Target. We got Amazon. Why not Walmart, right? Well, that's it. So, I mean, that'll be the last one. But again, when you, you, you it's hard to be short of stock if it's going to pop on because there'll be no more deals. There's going to be a lot more deals for a firm coming. So they're just not going to keep popping 20% on every deal. I think it's overdone. I think it was an overdone move. I wouldn't be chasing this move. I don't think it's going 150 today. I think you're probably going to see. And we have some precedents. I mean, after the Amazon deal, it came back down after that as well. And we are in the market where patience pays. And what does that mean? chase you don't need to chase in this market it's not the market's just blasting off in orbit and leaving you behind it seems like it always gives you another chance just like in gm gives you another chance you know if you're chasing stocks in this market you're absolutely doing it backwards it has been a contrarian market for the better part of nine months and that continues to be the case palantir great example from two days ago i tweeted out when it was at 26 and a half that you know these are pops that are to be sold on when you're getting these news pops because this is the type of market where selling the rip has been working very very well and it didn't even take one day and palantir gave it all back yesterday yes it's up still 30 or 40 cents but it was up like 15 percent. and if you're paying up 15 percent on a stock on a headline you're the one that is transferring your money to the professional traders or to the traders that are actually you know listening and actually using the information and selling the rip so don't buy the rip sell the rip that's my that's that's not investment advice not trading advice that's how i do it that's how i'm consistent and and you know what in some market environments it pays to hold on and sometimes i'm out too early but in this market environment the contrarian has been winning yeah, somebody well, said a firm already got the deal with walmart so i knew there was a deal in walmart with there somewhere there was so. i haven't heard with walmart i have heard the amazon I don't know that's, that's why right, i mentioned amazon chat just said that. But i feel like there was one with walmart too i feel like we know amazon walmart targets we'll so definitely have to check it three. out so well, what's the new what's the next catalyst then if you got the big three already costco well, i don't know so, keep it going right i mean uh, I, I you're not gonna keep getting 20 point pops on every time you get a deal <laughs> Yeah, that is true. I mean, I think it's been uh, a little bit excessive on the moves. But one thing to keep in, in mind is if you had, you know, Benzinga Pro, you probably can get to the news quick. You, this is a quick kind of trade. When the news comes out, as you guys can see, um, let's go back to a firm here. You can see in what? In one, two, three, four hours, it was already up there. Um, so this one, I think they released the news right at 932. Did you see that, Dennis? I didn't see the news earlier. They, they did one of those right at the bell kind of releases. Um, I know Benzinga Pro picked it up at 9.41. Uh, I'm pretty sure this was released at 9.30 right out the gates. And that's the one thing on some of these headlines, especially when they break during the day. Sometimes it does take a few minutes to digest that because it's thicker. There's liquidity out there. And then you know what happens. They talk about it on CNBC all day. They talk about it on you know, Bloomberg. They talk about it on Benzinga. They talk about it everywhere. So as they continue to talk about it, people are like, oh, I want to go buy that. You know, media drives price. We talk about analysts driving price. Media drives price as well. You know, why does it work? That, you know, you know, the alpha that I always talk about extracting about the run-up into an event. Why do you think that run-up really occurs? Because the media 
is going to be talking about the Apple event coming up. The Apple event coming up. And what that does is it drives retail traders into the stock. Because they say, oh, yeah, I want to buy that. That retail event's coming up. And then, you know, obviously, the, the, you know, the stock continues up. So that's really what drives it is media mentions. And you've got to, if you can anticipate the media, get ahead of the media mentions, um, you can make a lot of money in this market as well from a short-term trading basis and a medium-term trading basis. Not so much a long-term trading basis because the media is usually a topping event. But, you know, that can actually help you too. You know, like often I say, you know, when everybody's talking about stock and social media, when they start talking about it on CNBC, sometimes it's time to ring the register. We talk, uh, you know, we talk with Chris Camilo from Dumb Money, and that's what he talks about is the same thing. You know, he reads social media and he says, what's getting hot? He likes to move into those stocks. When they start talking about it in mainstream media, that's where he calls information parity, where everybody knows about it now. And mm -hmm. that's the time to get the hell out. Yeah, that's a crowded trade that we saw happen also in CEI. Uh, I think that that's kind of a perfect example also. Uh, everyone all through this period, yeah, it's all over social, social media, social media. Boom. Yeah. Then you start seeing it on all the media sites on this last little push. Then boom, it starts to break down. It's just it happens often, especially with these big cheaper names that make massive runs right well there's Parabolic one happening moves. right now then chat's talking about his bbig and i have no idea what's going on with bbig um Perfect it's up 22 percent here this morning it's probably somebody has mentioned it in social media it's, you mm -hmm. know there's probably some you know um you know not that they're promoters i don't know you know who's talking it but it's a guarantee it's probably being mentioned by some of these people who have massive followings in social media these have been selling opportunities so i'm going to say it again on bbig if you're stuck in this thing, you bought a 10 or 11 or 12, I don't think you're getting your money back. I think you're cutting your loss. When you can, I think you're using rallies to get out. Because I believe BBIG, and not, I don't know anything about the company individual, but I'd say it seems like the majority of these stocks that have these huge moves from 2 to 12 eventually come back to where they were once that everybody, you know, is basically, you know, in. So, I mean... You gotta watch these promoted stocks and social media. And this is something Gensler is going to crack down on, and he rightfully should. You know, when you have you know people coming and they're promoting stocks, they're buying huge positions and then promoting them on social media, and then you know obviously you know what happens is they get the buzz and everything gets going, and you know it hits Reddit, everybody's talking about it, and then you know what everybody's already in, and then it starts to leak and leak and leak and leak and leak and leak. And before you know it, you got a CEI. Well, a CEI was a sudden one because a short seller attacked that one. Um, so that wasn't a good example. But there's a lot of these other ones. You know, AHT was one that everybody was talking about in social media. Some of these short squeeze stocks like Bed Bath & Beyond was one. And it's come back down. So what I want to tell you is if you're sticking these in your long-term account, the majority of them are going to lose you money. If you want to trade the momentum, trade the momentum. When the trend starts breaking... You know, you got to get out. You got to get out once the momentum turns because there'll be a lot of people caught. They're crowded trades very quickly, and all those people will be looking for exits eventually. So, this BBIG trend absolutely broken here now. It looks to me like, you know, it eventually wants to go back down to $2. That's just technicals. I don't know anything about the company's fundamentals. Maybe there's something good going to happen here, but I would use all strength to get out if I had BBIG. All right. Well, I have the news here for us. It was actually looks like we got an acquisition here. Venco uh, Ventures, Vinico Ventures shares headline. are trading higher after the company and Sash Global reported the purchase of Ad Riser for 108 million in cash and stock. 
Uh, so it looks like there is an acquisition here. Uh, with The BBIG BB is buying somebody. Yeah. So, okay, so the headline that broke at 8 o'clock, that's why it's lifting. Is this thing bringing it back to 10 or $11? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know anything about any of those companies, though. Um, I'm just reading off the technicals and saying you got a lot of people stuck in this stock. All right, definitely. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's take a look. We'll, we'll see what happens with this one. Uh, I'll keep an eye on it. I want to shift on over before we get to Peter Tuckman. He should be here in about five about nine minutes uh, let's get into a little bit about tesla's investor day today uh, tesla has their investor day today a lot of people are expecting to get some kind of updates uh, now what could updates could we get let's go ahead and talk a little bit about that uh looks like we're there's my notes there all right let's go ahead so really this is going to be some of the things that we're going to be looking at is to see hear about the berlin gigafactory and will it start producing cars over the next month uh the move would also relieve a logistics bottleneck because of course tesla's model 3y's are being produced in china and shipped to europe tesla's new gigafactory that's being built near Austin is also expected to be completed this year and begin full-scale production in 2022. So we're going to be paying attention to that. Other areas of interest are going to be Tesla's battery technology, China's growth and demand, and the competitive environment. Also, pay attention towards talks of chips. Tesla has been talking that they want to produce their own chip. So you could possibly get an update on that. I know that a lot of people are going to be watching to see what happens with Tesla. What today. time is that match? Do you know? Uh, I get you guys. I'll get you guys the exact time right now. I think it's at nighttime. A lot of times Tesla's invested days are at nighttime. But I'll give you it right now. Okay, he's gonna go find that. Um, I do have a trading position on Tesla, so I'm gonna limit my comments. Oh, it's gonna be an interesting one for me. I was watching it to see if it was gonna turn around with the market. Looks like they're gonna be holding. Uh, last time it was at one. 30 pacific time so we're talking 4 30 eastern um that's probably where it's going to be at today yeah that's what i'm getting at right now 4 30 central time so we're talking 5 30 eastern uh looks like last last year they did it at at 4 30 they're going to do it 5 30 eastern uh looks like there's even an already a stream up there for you i'll give you guys the link i have it right here from tesla uh, so if you guys want to catch that link later, Tesla's shareholder meeting starts live in nine hours, starts at 530 Eastern. We'll keep watching to see what happens with Tesla. It's been fighting that $800 level. We got one peak above that. Can we get above 800 today? It's going to be interesting. That's probably what I would be watching with the market going up and EVs kind of getting a little bit of a lift, you know, GM news. I'll be paying attention to this one. It's definitely going to be on a lot of traders' radars. All right. Uh, any important stock that you guys got in the chat, definitely mention it. I want to catch news that you guys see out there just in case we're missing any headlines. Now, one that I did want to talk to you about, uh, yep. Dennis, is Roku. Roku's been really pushing in Canada. It was said that they have 41% of tv streaming of people that have added tv streaming in the last 12 months i have two i have two rokus <laughs> yeah you, we were I I was talking TV. about it with joel uh that you had to so have you heard any talk you know how how's roku in canada i love the roku i love using my roku i mean it's the cheapest way to stream if you don't have a smart tv obviously I have a smart tv maybe you don't need the roku device but on some of my older tvs that don't have the smart capabilities 
I mean, it works fantastically. It's 40 bucks. I go and I boom and I got everything on there. And even the Roku channel actually has got a little bit of content on there as well. So I love the product. I hate the valuation. Um, so that's why, you know, I haven't put this in the long-term portfolio. But what I will say is he had a little bit of the Alibaba trade. Roku massively oversold. And what it was yesterday was some of these stocks that were massively oversold had relief pops. And that's what Roku had yesterday, a nice relief pop. There's room to that high, I would say, of the move, 339. Um, then you're going to start to get running into resistance up from 339 to 350. So there might be another 10 points in here. But after that, it starts to get tough. And the stock's in a clear downtrend. I don't think that trend's breaking. I think the Roku's hot story has cooled off significantly. And valuation is starting to matter. And that's why you're seeing the price start to come in. So I don't like it long term. Short term, it's had the move. If you would have asked me yesterday, I would have said it's oversold and due for a relief pop. Exactly what happened. Um, I have no position in it. I don't intend to have a position in it either. All right, we'll see what happens with Roku. Last time, Dennis actually got caught in that analyst pop. I didn't sell out and ended up break even on the trade, even though I got what? An overnight gift. A lot of the times I've heard Dennis mention that, and I think that it was an overnight gift. The last time it popped towards 340s, it actually got to 339.60. And I had my order to sell at 340s. That's that's what it has that's how it goes. Sometimes you just gotta take what you got there. Um I was a Don't little miss picky. a trade. I always say don't miss a trade just to save yourself a couple of cents. You know, if you're in for a swing trade. I, I, you know, I, I, I hate lifting the offer, hitting the bid, but sometimes you just should. If you're in it short term, don't miss a trade to save yourself a nickel because yeah. those opportunity costs are too significant. So when I want to get in the trade and it's a swing trade, I typically just get myself in. From an execution perspective, if you're small enough, a lot of times you can go two-thirds of the spread. So sometimes you're trading these thinner names, even like a Roku, for instance. In the pre-market, it doesn't work as well, but during the regular session, if you've seen Roku, like 327, to 327.50. Usually, if you go 327.35.40 on the on the buy side, you're going up two thirds of the spread. Usually, a market maker will hit you. So um, that's how I kind of you know if you're small enough. I mean, if you're if it's 200 by 200, you're trying to buy a thousand. Your thousand share order will probably push it up. But if you're trying to buy 100 shares, go two thirds of the spread. Usually, you'll get done. That's some execution tactics for you. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Roku. I, I like the stock here, always at 300. I've liked it before at 300, back when we were in this time. And then we got that big ramp up. It's definitely a support there. We'll see if it holds 300 from here on out and Roku can make a move back. Uh, with Roku, look for Fubo. I, I know that that one likes to run with it. Look for that one maybe to get a little lift today. Uh, Roku's doing well. If I saw Roku doing a day two move, I would also pay attention to see if you get Fubo to come back up. And one that What's has got. What have been doing? I haven't looked at that chart in a while. No position in it. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, you know what? That's lots of lows there, though. Yeah. So I actually don't mind the chart. You got lots. You put in a lot of work there at the 23, and then it kind of came out of that area yesterday. So not surprising it's getting bit up pretty solidly here today, Mitch, 2470. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you've missed this trade, but if it's pull back in the low 24s, I find it interesting. All right. So we had those lows, 2299. The day prior, 2301. And the day before that at 2272. So I would look for that 23 to hold on downside. We'll see if Fubo can get back up. One that did take a, a hard hit in the downturn in the market was Vizio. Uh, this is one that I've traded multiple times up towards 27. But it did come back down almost to the IPO low. It went right close to it. We'll see if this one can come back. This is also a company that trades really closely with Roku and Fubo. Um, and we'll see how Vizio done. Uh, and continues to move as they've been trying to continue to grow their TV service, just like Roku does with that live streaming to give you guys access to live TV for free. Um, and they're going to continue growing. Uh, we'll see what happens with these. Next one I want to get into is Rocket Lab. Uh, Rocket Lab actually got a contract from NASA here. Let me see if I, I got the news around here. So Going they up like jumped. A rocket ship? Yeah, they jumped on selection for NASA's launch. Um, so pretty much uh, they got a, a launch that's going to be in 2022. But I think it definitely helped the environment here for space. Um, we've been waiting to hear some more launch news. If there's anything that I've seen move these kind of uh, stocks, it's been the launch news, right? Um, so SPCE also you know, recently got that FAA uh, clearance back to to going up so i've been wondering when are these rocket stocks going to start moving again and these space stocks so i'm wondering if this could start the day and get the lift going i don't know i i don't follow the company it's a nice pop i think you got massive resistance up at 16 so not a fan uh, just be careful and and chat mitch might have to take that message down i see somebody really promote promoting bbig i don't mind if you're mentioning a stock mentioning that it's ripping but when you're telling folks to get in quickly you're going to miss the moonshot that's promotional we don't want messages like that so gm um if you want to talk and mention bbig that's fine that's cool um you know that it's hot it's moving up but when you're telling people to get in you're going to miss the moonshot that's too promotional for this chat room yeah, definitely. Uh, if you're in the chat, I'll definitely get that out, clean it out here. Uh, Mitch usually monitors that, but he's on the show full time yeah. here right now. So, um, <laughs> you know, it. we're not we're not, you know, a, a ticker time promotional show here. So no problem to mention your stock. No problem to give your market opinion. But it's the it's a fact when you're writing oh, a message, get in now, get in now. Or are you going to miss it? I mean, that's promotional. We don't like that stuff on the show. Yeah, it's just how it is. I mean, at the end of the day, guys, there's no need to push people to get into a stock. If they clearly see it, they will clearly make that decision for themselves. And sometimes, you know, these handles, I don't know all these handles, but some we've had an issue where people are coming in and, you know, you know you have this issue, Mitch, because we have quite a few people watch the show and people come in trying to push their stocks intentionally. And everybody wants to talk their stock. It's cool. 
you know, it's your opinion. It's cool. It's when you get multiple messages by now, you're going to miss out. I mean, that's where, you know, we, we, we don't like that stuff on our show. All right. So we'll see what happens with rocket lab. Another one that I'm keeping an eye out for is, uh, SFTW, uh, which is Black Sky now. Uh, this is one that I like. This is a, a pl- this is a play on imaging. Uh, Maxar is uh, the competition, the major competitor. I'll see if these can come back, and that will get me interested in Black Sky. Maxar hanging out here at twenty-seven fifty. Dennis, we've talked about this one before. It might be a level. We've talked about the 30 for it before. It's definitely gone sideways, Maxar. Uh, we'll see if it can get off of these levels here. I've been interested in the stock for a long time, Mitch. And you know what? <laughs> you do have a level here. So we will say, on you know, I just set up the trades. But look at this 27 level on Maxar. So I don't mind this chart. I'm actually writing it down. I have no position in it. But, I mean, these are the types of uh, trades that, you know, are bouncing back here right now. People looking for the diamond in the rough. With that being said, it didn't bounce yesterday, and that is somewhat concerning. Mm-hmm. Is Peter Tuckman there? we got to go get Peter. Yeah, let's see if he's here. He should be joining in there. There he is. we got Peter here. Let's go ahead. Let's get towards Peter. You guys know exactly who this is, but if you don't, you need to find out the one, the only, the Einstein of Wall Street. Let's go ahead and get Peter on here. What's going on, Peter? How we doing? Hey, guys. How you doing? Dennis, Mitch, what's up, guys? I'm going to put you on, in the Peter? middle. Long because... time. Long time for me and you. You've been on the show a few times here, but, you know, usually Spencer brings you on after 9 o'clock, and I'm gone at 9 o'clock. So I'm glad they scheduled you finally on my show because I love talking to you, Peter. Awesome. Good to see you, Dennis. Hey, Mitch, what's up, guys? Hey, at least, you know, we're seeing a little bit of a bounce back here. I know Dennis had a question that we were talking a little bit on the pre-market show uh, because we've been paying attention to, you know, Baba, JD, PDD. Um, I mentioned that I saw a block trade today, but Dennis, I'll I'll let you kind of lead the question here. I I was going to say, because I want to ask Peter this, and me and Mitch were talking on the pre-pre-market show. I don't follow block trades anymore. I used to. If I go back 20 years ago when I was doing a lot of tape reading, I still do tape reading. Um, When everything was happening on the exchange, what you would see is, you know, you'd see a big seller in the market and then they'd be pushing the price down and then price be coming down. Then all of a sudden you see the mop up print, the big block go. And, you know, okay, well, it's done. That seller is gone. And now the stock's going to probably have a little bit of relief pop because that seller is out. But the block trades are like so many different ones happening now, and it's not happening on exchange. A lot of them are off exchange. You know, it could be a liquid net cross. There could be so many different things. So I don't give as much relevance as I did to them 20 years ago. I'm wondering if you still use block trades and how do you use them if you do? So look, when you, if you go all the way back to the days of the 80s and 90s and early 2000s when market makers and the, and the open outcry was actually an active part of our marketplace, then block trades were huge. I mean, I was yeah. a, you know, I've been a broker for many years, and I was a broker for Cowan for a while. I did convertible arbitrage. And so, you know, as you described, you know, a block trade was literally you'd have a seller come into a crowd, you know, you'd, whether it was news-related, whether it was a big piece that was around, people were shopping the piece. And so everyone in the environment knew that, something was going on. Every desk would have a meeting every morning. Somebody would have a big piece. They'd shop it around and kind of see where the bodies lie. Where was there was some buy interest. Sometimes if the stock was trading at 50 and the next real real significant buy side was at the $45 level, you'd start working the sell side, right? 
you'd see where, you know, not that you were trying to hurt anybody, but you just sort of had to get to work with the order and you'd start making sales. And then as the community got focused on, wow, there's a seller around, you know, my interest is at the 45, 46 level. And that communication and that transparency sort of started to happen. Then people's interest got perked up. The market maker wanted to get involved then, right? Those were the days where if you had, you know, you could work a sell order over time and then on the tag end of it, you know, the, um, the prop trader on that desk of a house would say, you know what, we had a million to sell, we're down to the last 200, I'm gonna take our seller out. And then they'd work out of that, you know, that work out of that last 200 thou, and you'd see those trades. You'd be able to identify if you were a, a tape watcher, as you described, and I yeah. was one too, and a lot of were, that was a significant thing to see where the volume lied, when the prints went on. That was more in the world of the eighths and quarters. Once we started trading at pennies and surely when we started trading electronically, you know, with the algorithms and with the handheld computers on the floor and then with, um, you know, uh, not not as many market makers in the crowd and their actual interaction with the trade right now. I believe that a 90 percent, a majority of trades are literally 100, 200 share locks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't see those blocks. Look, you're seeing them in SPACs. You're seeing them. You know, there are off off floor blocks that are happening that you know whether they're on the third market or they're happening on different exchanges just to take people out because they you know it's a trade it's a prearranged trade upstairs there's a big seller he doesn't really want to come down to the floor he shops out a buyer and they put up a piece so surely in the old days it was a super exciting way to uh really kind of forensically understand who was there what they were doing and when the sell side was sort of getting exhausted and maybe it was time for a pop in these days you know what Maybe people are doing it. We don't do it at all a anymore because if you look at the tape and you look at, look, when I trade on my handheld, you know, and I can hit sales, literally 90% of sales are hundred share lots. You know, yeah. at one point a block is a thousand shares or maybe 10,000, but the days of a quarter million going up, a million share print. I mean, I know there was a, you know, I, I, my biggest print was an 8 million share cross. It was actually a, holy, my, how was, many shares? It was an eight million share cross. Oh, I, that's a big. I, that's crazy. I, I, I work, it, was, it was a nice day. I went out to dinner and got. I went, to the, <laughs> I, went to, I went to the homestead and bought a really big lobster at that point. But um, it was a. It was. I don't remember. It was one of the. Um, it was one of the ADRs. I think it was Televisa or or Petrobra, one of those stocks. We had been working a big piece. It was. It was overseas, and it was a tag end of a much much bigger order. And I had a customer who, who was trading a lot of these ADRs and I got the print. And originally I tried to go in to cross the eight million and there was a big uh, buyer in the crowd and he actually broke me up. He was a million. You know, that that's the way you had to in the open outcry world. When you wanted to cross and put up a block of stock, you had to actually bid and offer and then take stock from yourself. And in the eighth and quarter world, if there was someone out there with a big buy order, he was able to take block you on your trade. Right. And that was kind of a big deal. So, um, yeah, the days of blocks, are, uh, the significance of a block is over, unfortunately. Dennis. Oh, so I agree with you there, too, Peter. So what? So talk about your market indicators. You're not looking at blocks as much as you used to. I mean, there's a lot of other different market indicators there. What's your favorite market indicators right now, Peter? You know what? Look, for me, look, uh, I mean, I'm watching. I'm sort of super fascinated by the way the S&P moves, right? And so, as you know, I trade IPOs. I trade sort of a pre-market dislocation to where the Dow in New York and the S&P are going to open. And then I trade 
do the uh, closing trade, what's called the market on close trade. So for me, you know, we build a spreadsheet from two o'clock on. People mm-hmm. on the floor are given access to what the imbalances are going to be coming into the close of the market. And while, you know, it posts out at two o'clock, we have 378 S&P stocks that trade on the NYSE. The rest are traded on NASDAQ. And so the notional value of those stocks to buy and sell can actually move a market. So for me, that's kind of what I watch. I don't watch any other kind of indicators. But, um, you know, let's just talk about yesterday for a minute. You know, what an amazing, you know, it's so funny to uh, to listen to sort of the chatter, you know, about, uh, first of all, the chatter in the media when there's one down day and suddenly, you know, this rally has been interrupted. The world's coming to an end. We're looking at a recession, yeah. all this kind of craziness. And I always say, you know, one day does not make a market. And then you've got the technicals, Dennis, and you know, you know how. You know, we're, I'm a big, big, big believer in technical analysis and technical support. And we saw that 428 level in the S&P 500 two or three times. We saw it happen on, on after last Thursday's big sell off. 428 was a support. It was a nice pop after market close on that up to 431. We retested it again on Friday. Then we saw a huge rally and we saw it again yesterday. Right. You saw this market get down to that 428 level. And, you know, David Green, my partner, always talks about the second, the, the second, the first time the market hits a technical support level is its most significant um, uh, uh, power. And the next two times it happens, it may break through. And we did see that a little bit. But yesterday was a classic, amazing reversal. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, it was fueled by by McConnell's comments. The market had reversed, though. Before that, that that pop, right, which happened just before two o'clock, we had seen the levels get down to 428. We saw a little bit of a double bottom there. And the market then did reverse um, before the McConnell statement. Right. So the market was starting to turn. It was a little bit of that fresh new October money coming in, you know, and and, and then, of course, the statement was, you know, which has been on everybody's mind, even though I'm kind of baffled that up until yesterday we didn't see more of a sell-off in anticipation of a potential default, although we've seen this bit of news year after year after year, and I don't know if it's actually ever defaulted. I think we saw once a short-term one, but, you know, it's kind of that political posturing in any ways. But yesterday was the day where people were waiting for that news to happen. It did happen. The S&P reversed. The market rallied, and it ended up closing at the high of the day. So it was, be- it was a beautiful reverse. It was a 600-point uh, S&P reversal. At one point, we were down 50 handles in the spires. Yeah. Yeah. And we ended up closing up 10. It was spectacular. And then we tack on 40 more points here, 40 <laughs> more S&P points here overnight. What do you do now? Like I was saying before you came on the show, we kind of just quietly had a 50% retracement of the whole overall ugly September. If you look at SPY, we go from 454 down to 426. And you know now we just tacked on half of that in one day up to 440. So what do you do now? You know what? These moves are spectacular. Um, Obviously, I'm more concerned. It's beautiful to watch when we sort of ratchet down. It's sort of healthy. It's a healthy pullback, right? You guys do know technical analysis really well. I love listening to you two talk. And so you know that in like in a trend trade, you guys were discussing it a couple of times that as a stock marches higher, you really in order to really get a good buy signal, you want to wait for that pullback. Right. You don't want to just jump on board. And so when a market ratches down like this and then sees this huge 
rally up, it's a little bit concerning. Now, do you just, is there a fear? There's going to be a fear of missing out trade. There's going to be some short covering for people who, you know, followed the doomsday report after one or two down days. Or are we a little good, you know, are we going to sort of um, uh, do a little work at this level before we either go higher or lower? All they did do with the McConnell statement yesterday was kick the ball down the road, right? We don't have any, any, uh, 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 ratification of what's going to happen. I'm a firm believer that there will have, you know, at the witching hour, a deal will be made, right? And so I think the market's going to have to churn here right now. Um, you know, from a short-term perspective, you got to look at the technicals. From a long-term perspective, I think there's what yesterday and today has shown us is there's still a huge appetite in this market, right? We There are people who are sitting around at this level with shopping lists. And I know you guys are traders, right? I hear you all the time, Dennis. You know, you're waiting. Sometimes these stocks get super frothy. When the spies were up at 454, a lot of these stocks, you know, you didn't need to jump on board to the, with them. You would either rather buy them higher when they broke through a level or wait till they come in and, and consolidate a little bit. So I think we need to churn and burn for a little bit here and see what the next little, you know, bit of news is. Beginning of November, we have the Fed. Right. We're not sure if we'll hear anything further, uh, you know, before the December uh, deadline now on the on the debt ceiling problem. So there's so much on the table. It is the last quarter. October is a, a rough year, uh, a rough, a rough season. You know, we do always have that weird psychology about, um, you know, Black Monday and the crash of 87 and which I lived through. And that was an extraordinary day. Um, I have really one quite amazing memories of that. I actually recently got uh, met with a guy who uh, I worked with in 87 on the floor. He came to visit. He's moved on out of the biz, but he came down to the floor two days ago. I hadn't seen him in since 87. And wow. it was fun just sort of to talk about what it was like. He had not seen the floor since then. And, uh, you know, that was a different time. That was an extraordinary day. Probably one of the most amazing trading days of all time. I think we lost Mitch, but Peter. Uh, oh no, there he is. <laughs> Mitch is hiding in the background. I don't know where he Mitch. What, what, I took a little sip there? of coffee because I needed some juice. I didn't feel the energy that I was getting from Peter, so I need to have that. I need to channel <laughs> my inner Peter. <laughs> Peter brings the energy. We'll tell you that. Yes. I don't need any coffee when I listen to Peter. I'm three espressos in, guys. It's all good. <laughs> oh, oh, you, you're beating me, man. You're beating me. I'll, I'll tell you that. And one thing that I'm looking at is so. Going into the next year, you know, of course, there's talk of inflation and, and when we finally will get interest to rise, if we do get it, maybe a quarter of a point, maybe uh, maybe half. I, I don't know if we're going to get to that level. But what are you looking going into 2022? How is the long term outlook going into next year? You know what? Look, I think we there, there there's no playbook for this recovery yet. Right. There's no way this is unlike anything else. We still do have a lot of unknowns around the virus and the reopening story, although some of those names are starting to get a little pop. But it's a little bit skittish because that story can turn around on a dime. Right. We get one surge of the virus coming into flu season here. And that whole airline cruise line story tends to go a little bit, you know, south for the moment. Uh, you know, the Federal Reserve uh, was, you know, in, in their in their inimitable way to give you both sides of the story in one press conference to literally confuse the whole investment community. Right. They can go one way and then they go another. And you always watch those Fed days. They're amazing because the market just goes all over the place as people try and interpret what they're talking about. I think the market can handle anything. 
It's going to be able to handle the inflation story, you know, thanks to a number of different uh, uh, things. We were able to handle the um, pandemic story, and I think we'll be able to handle the ride, the ride, uh, the, uh, inter- the bump up in the interest rates. You know, the, the, it's amazing how the the uh, the resiliency of, of the market, the equilibrium that is that is achieved every time we run into a crisis, every time we run into a movement in the interest rates, the market can handle all that stuff as long as it's it, it has a little bit of a runway into the decision. And but right now, look, you know, I, I really kind of feel like we're we're a slingshot about to be just you know let loose here. There's so many new people in this market. There's this whole wonderful new generation of traders in the market. I hope they all go out there and get educated in technical analysis so they don't get hurt. I think that they are going to raise rates uh, in 2022. The recovery story is going to be a good one. Now, look, this inflation thing is is fascinating. The supply chain interruption, which was absolutely caused by the pandemic, but necessary for some of these companies and some of these commodity companies to be able to sustain themselves through that thing. You know, it's going to lead us to higher, you know, and the relationship with the labor force, right? It's kind of cure. I'm still a May. I would love to know what your guys think about this. The fact is, look, I, I did a piece on um, Fox the other day with Neil Cavuto, and we talked about there are apparently a, a huge demand. So trucking, right, is, it is a huge problem, trucking and shipping, the logistics of that, right? We've got, we've got uh, ships on both coasts, full of stuff, trying to get to the heartland with nobody to drive the trucks to deliver all these things. There's that fear of how people are going to get 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 through the holiday season. Are people going to get their, their products or not? And it's amazing to me that there's suddenly a shortage of 100,000 truckers. So did we have this problem before the pandemic? Did these people just leave the labor force? Where is everybody, right? Why are we having this, this, this incredible... Um, obstacle you know you're seeing it in 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 hospitality no nobody's there's a shortage of people in the hospitality industry in the trucking industry in the shipping industry where did everybody go are they still at home and anxious not to go back to work did they leave the labor force did they make enough money trading dogecoin that they never want to work again where is everybody i think you and i are asking that same question i think everyone's asking that question because they're doesn't seem to be an exact answer. You know, you can blame it on the pandemic, but at the end of the day, like you said, where was this before the pandemic? Was there an issue before? It didn't seem like there was, and now it's definitely present. I, I think just, you know, the human nature to a certain extent has changed. I mean, you have people more focused on family now and the important things in life. It gave us all perspective because, you know, even though it looks like, you know, we're coming through it not bad, I mean, it gives you perspective that, hey, you know, the mark, the world is fragile. It's a fragile place. And, you know, we got lucky that, you know, the death rate on COVID obviously wasn't a lot higher, you know, because at first we were looking, we didn't know what we were dealing with. Some people were projecting this could, you know, you know, be as much as a high as a, as a five or 10% death rate ended up being only fractions of a percent lucky for us, but it gave everyone perspective on like the important things in life. And people are like, I don't want to go to my nine to five job and get 15 bucks an hour. And then you have the whole inflation aspect of it too. And people are you know, saying, why am I going working for 15, 20 bucks an hour when, you know, it's costing more to, to live every day, too. So I think just priorities of people have changed. But to how are they extent. supporting their families, Dennis? I don't know. That's the question, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> My question. bills I get need the to be paid. Anxiety. I get the anxiety about going back to work. 
I get the fact that we've been sheltered in place and it's kind of hard to get out that door. I see it at the at, uh, at the stock exchange. It's, everybody's not coming back yet. And I understand that. Look, the anxiety around it and all that, that makes sense. But at the end of the day, people who were supporting their family back then, they did, surely did not make enough money on stimulus checks to support their family for the next two years. Yeah, right? doesn't make there sense. were thousands and thousands of truckers. Now I'm hearing that out there willing to give $15,000 signing bonuses, that they're bumping up the, the price people are willing to pay for those workers. We're seeing it globally. We're seeing it surely domestically in all different industries. Yet, I, I and I understand what you're saying. Sure, we do have a new perspective about fragility, about life, about family. But at the end of the day, everyone needs to pay to support their family. So I'm kind of baffled by that story. Hey, we'll definitely pay attention to that. Peter Tuckman from Wall Street Global Trading Academy just threw up the link in the chat. So if you guys want to check out a little bit more about Peter, definitely go ahead and do so. Uh, you mentioned trucking stocks, so you did get a question in the chat. What kind of trucking stocks would you look at? I'll call. I'll call out two. You maybe could call out one. Uh, USAK. Uh, that's USA Trucking, and then Rider R uh, is one that definitely stands out to me. Is there any that stands out to you, Peter, at least that you know of for trucking stocks? You know, I actually can't really talk to any particular stock. I just think it's fascinating that people should start to watch the different industries that benefited that were able, that were able to adapt to the pandemic story and to the shelter in place, and now the reopening story, right? I think people need to be you know, look at it from a technical point of view, because as I said, this story can change on a dime. We are seeing a nice rally yesterday in tech. We did see a nice recovery story where, you know, while retail did not participate, we did see a beautiful rise in the in the in the cruise lines and in the and in the airline stocks. So there are certain sectors that are going to just blow up if we really start to reopen and the recovery story is healthy. And then but there are stocks that can whole sectors that can surely change on a dime. Right. Um, uh, depending on on how this recovery story unfolds. Well, thank you for joining us, Peter Tuckman, on pre-market prep. And like always, the story is everything. We talk about the story all the time here. So thank you for bringing that to us, Peter. And price action. Dennis always talks about it. Got price it. action. Right. Price don't, don't lie. Price action does not lie, guys. Please go check out technical analysis, whether you learn it from me and David Green or not. Wall Street Global Trading Academy or whatever. But the bottom line is, guys. For this market is crowded. The market is volatile, right? And the market can change on a dime. Some of these stocks are, have these vacuums on the way up and down, as we've seen in the S&P, the meme names and, and the drug stocks and whatever you're looking at. So guys, look, nobody got broke taking a profit. Don't turn a winning trade into a losing trade, guys, and good luck. Thank you. Good tips. Thanks, Peter. All right, guys, we're almost to the nine o'clock time. We're going to get you guys to all access stocks. We got some great stocks. We're going to get into some presentation. I can't wait to see RC Moto. That's really the one that I'm going to be looking forward to look for the presentation. What are you looking forward to on your day today, Dennis? And also, I heard there's an event on the 16th. Is, is that true? There is an educational event we're we're running over at premarketprep.com. Um, October 16th, we're going to be talking all kinds of different market neutral strategies. We've got Rob Friesen, who is the president of Bright Trading. Obviously, Joel's going to be talking technicals. I'm going to be talking. Uh, I'm going to be talking risk arbitrage. I'm going to be talking pairs trading. I'm going to be talking sympathy trading. I'm even going to talk social media stocks. So please join us October 16th if you are interested. Go to premarketprep.com. You'll see the banner. Uh, for the educational event. 
All right, guys, it's probably going to do it for Dennis. I'll let him go get on out of here. Go handle the trading day and do what he does best. Go get those pairs on, man. We'll see what happens. Have a good day. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us on pre-market prep. But like always, guys, we always get to the information that you guys want. So stay tuned. We got all access coming up. This is going to bring a lot of stocks to the light. I'm going to go through quickly, give you guys some of those stocks that are going to be there. Uh, you, you got, of course, RC Moto. I already talked about. You also got Citrus Pharmaceuticals, Biotrocity. You got Rap Technologies. Stay tuned, guys. 20, uh, 22nd Century Group, Inc., Verb Technology. There's going to be a lot on there that you guys can learn from. And like always, get the information that you need to be to be an informed trader out there. Uh, and also, like you see right here, meet the top cannabis stocks in the two-day hybrid event, October 14th and 15th, right out of New York City. I'm going to leave that video and get you right over to all access like always guys stay tuned we got so much for you guys all day long we're going to be going through it and like always hit that like hit the subscribe and we'll see you next time and check out new york who's in new york i want to see you at the cannabis event we'll see you there did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10 percent or more result from a single news headline that's right News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.